Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, I'm Grant Wall. Welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. This week's interview guest is The Guardian's David Squires, the world's preeminent satirical cartoonist on the sport of soccer. A quick reminder, if you like the podcast, it would really help us if you go to Apple Podcasts and provide a rating and a review, and we'd appreciate you recommending the podcast to someone you know. Onward! Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Our guest today is the preeminent cartoonist in world soccer, an Englishman who makes me laugh out loud every week with his satirical and whip-smart takes on the global game. You can see David Squire's work in The Guardian, and his books include Goalless Draws Illuminating the Genius of Modern Football and two volumes of The Illustrated History of Football, you can find him on Twitter at Squires underscore David. He joins us now from his home base in Sydney, Australia. David, thanks so much for coming on the show. 
Hi, Grant. Oh, thanks so much. And thanks for that amazing introduction. <laughs> I need to I need to get you to announce me whenever I walk into rooms. <laughs> I, I don't go out very often, but when I go to the coffee shop at the end of my street, that would be that would be quite handy to, to let people know that I, Squires, have arrived. <laughs> I am available for hire, by the way. Oh, um, excellent. But I, I do wish for our listeners here that if they have not seen your cartoons before, that they go do so now, because there's really no way I can do them justice by describing them. But one way would be, I think, to say that they're weekly satirical commentaries on soccer, often soccer in England, that are based on the news, and they make me laugh, and frankly, often contain multitudes of, of things if you're looking hard for them, and, and, and wonderful uh, references, sometimes obscure, sometimes less so. But mm. as I said, I'm probably not describing them very well. How would you describe what you do? No, I mean, you're pretty much on the money there. Um, so, yeah, each week um, I I produce a cartoon on a Tuesday for, for The Guardian, usually looking back on the previous weekend's action in the Premier League. Um, but more often than not, I, I feel that the best cartoons are the ones that aren't really related to anything that's happened on the pitch. And if there's a story of um, around maybe football corruption or... Uh, you know, if if a pundit says something crass or a manager behaves in a, um, you know, a, a spectacularly graceless way, that's uh, that's where I get my my food and drink. And it's it's more fun to, to write about those things um, because, I mean, we all watch so much uh, football or soccer and um, it's when something spectacular happens on the pitch, um, often a cartoon that I would draw can't quite do justice to the to the skill that's been displayed. Say like if Tammy Abraham smashes one in from 30 yards, um, there's only so many ways that I can, I can write about that or, um, so I'm really happier when I, I'm writing about stuff off the pitch. Um, and you know, there are certain characters who, who, who turn up regularly, um, Jose Mourinho not being in work at the moment doesn't stop me from drawing cartoons about him regularly. I probably should just I should send him about fifty percent of my commission each week. I think because um, he really does supply me with a lot of material. And then there's other people who turn up regularly, like Klopp and Guardiola, these kind of guys who are very outgoing personalities and you know very distinct personalities. Um, it's harder to to get a handle on someone saying like Eddie Howe, the, the Bournemouth manager, who seems like a lovely guy, but um, doesn't quite provide that much rich material for a, for a cartoon, you know. I, I was going to ask you who you think has appeared most in in your cartoons over the years, and it sounds like you just named a few of them. And, yeah. I, and I almost wonder, is there any connection in your mind to the old Special One TV? Um, or... Did I, I hope I didn't just commit a faux pas by even in no no that up. Uh, the, what, so I don't know the special. What's the special on TV? So that was the the puppets show that uh, had um, that Mourinho. There was a Mourinho puppet. Oh um, really? Oh uh, no, we didn't get that here. Oh um, wow. We had. It sounds like. Um, do you know Spitting Image? That was a British yeah. satirical. That, yeah. So we had those in the in the eighties, but oh no, I haven't seen the special on TV. I should look it up. If I'm riffing on exactly the same material, I, <laughs> I can have to change my ways. But um, but no, I mean, yeah, Jose has been a 
pretty constant since I started working for the Guardian uh, five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then before that, when I when I was just doing these these cartoons in my spare time, going back probably about ten years, he's been one of the, the I mean, the, the major players in, in football on in world football, um, and such a strong personality and someone who I feel confident. I don't need to hold back when I'm I'm um, taking the Mickey out of him because. <laughs> I don't feel that if he saw the cartoons, his ego would be in any way dented or, you know, I'm not going to bruise his, uh, you know, his feelings. Uh, He seems pretty robust. Yeah. Um, But yeah, but but back to your original question. Yeah, Mourinho is one. Uh, I used to, I often say I think I'm the only person in in, uh, world football who, um, who misses Sepp Blatter because he was a constant <laughs> source of of material, like just someone so openly, you know, uh, venal and corrupt and shameless. And um, so he he was good fun. And that it, it's often that the managers who come and go, usually through through English football, because that's where most of my audience audience sits. Mm. Um, so yeah, people like Allardyce and um, Roy Hodgson. Um, great characters, uh, really distinct personalities. I don't know what drives someone to, to be a football manager. It sounds like an absolutely thankless task, <laughs> um, but it certainly does seem to attract, at least in that generation of people, uh, a certain sort of personality. I think you see the, the younger generation of, of managers of slightly different approach now, uh, a bit more measured, people like Graham Potter at, at Brighton. And I mentioned Eddie Howe a minute ago. Even Frank Lampard seemed to have a slightly more measured approach. Um, maybe that's a generational thing. I don't know. But I hope it doesn't last because if everyone suddenly becomes like bland middle managers, then my career is over. <laughs> I mean, who are some of uh, your favorite players to, to, to draw to include in your stuff? Yeah, play, I'm quite careful with players um, because I know that if... Um, like I can't criticize them for their ability because um, they're far more talented than, than I could ever dream to be, you know. Um, and also, you know, they're, they're doing their best. I mean, I suppose everyone's doing the best, but um, I'm pretty careful with players. But some do have um, physical ap- attributes that are like drawing. So uh, Phil Jones at Manchester United. Um <laughs> He, I think one of the more popular cartoons I did is when I depicted him as like an Easter Island statue. You know, he's got <laughs> like massive head. Um, and uh, Jamie Vardy, I always have fun with, with Jamie Vardy. Um, the cartoon that, that I drew this week, mm-hmm. um, you know, because he celebrated this goal at the weekend. He scored against Crystal Palace and... Their nickname is the Eagle, so mm-hmm. he did this celebration, but afterwards, where he flapped his arms like a, like an eagle, and I said that he looks like a hatchling at the best of times, and this kind of really horrific picture of him coming out of an egg, like a, a newborn lizard sort of thing, but it wasn't that much of a stretch. All I did was I just had to Google a picture of a, a newborn bird. And I realized that it looks quite a lot like Jamie Bart Vardy already. He's got this sort of <laughs> beaky nose and thin neck and sort of beady eyes. So, um, 
Yeah, uh, so Vardy and, of course, Ronaldo and Messi, uh, they're always fun to draw. Ronaldo especially, because he's got this sort of such enormous self-confidence and even the way he stands with sort of legs akimbo and all the rest of it, you know, he, he's good fun to draw. One question I have for you is why aren't there more of you out there? You know, there's a lot of political cartoonists out there in the wider world, but I don't see many soccer cartoonists even though the sport is so big and even though, especially, you know, just with any sort of global appeal, kind of you're the guy from from where I see it. Whenever I I do see the occasional thing and whenever I do, I find the person, hunt them down and threaten them and and then they stop. So that's why I pretty much have a monopoly. I I don't know why it is. Um, I think that um, people are doing interesting things uh, like it, it's satirical takes on on football in other senses. I think maybe that um, cartooning is perhaps or satirical cartooning is um, almost like a a dying art form in some senses. Um, I know that I know some political cartoonists who struggle for work. Um, so there, I think that's one of the it, as the print media shrinks. Um, I think that um, illustrators and cartoonists are among the first people to be culled, you know. Hmm. So maybe it's hard for, for people to, to find work or to find, you know, the space to, to be heard. For me personally, um, I had a full-time job in a completely unrelated field hmm. and was doing this as a hobby uh, and just sharing it online and on Twitter and Facebook. And that's how I grew uh, a bit of a following and then eventually the, the guardian contacted me and said hey do you want to do one of these a week and it's it's grown from there um but yeah not everyone has the time to spend you know an hour a night working on a cartoon when there are other pressures in your life and all the rest of it luckily my life is completely devoid of interest <laughs> you know i'm like a hermit no i'm not actually i've got quite a rich and interesting life um <laughs> but um so, yeah, I mean, there's there's many factors there. But the main one is that, yeah, I hunt them down and kill them because <laughs> I'm on a sweet – I've got a sweet deal here. What I will say is your your cartoons reveal someone who clearly follows the soccer news closely, who has a keen eye for absurdity, who isn't afraid to include references to pop culture and doesn't feel the need to explain every reference – knowing that if you have to explain the joke, it isn't really funny anymore, um, yeah. or less funny at least. Um, could you explain how you go about your process every week in producing one of your cartoons? Sure. Um, so say a week like, a typical week like this one, I I have a notepad on the go at all times, and throughout the course of a week, I just make a, a little note of any major stories that happened. So this morning I've just written down that Arsenal have stripped um, Granite Jacker of the captaincy, which in itself isn't funny. There's not a gag there, but you know, by the time I sit down to draw the cartoon next week, I might have developed that idea a little bit more. Cause you actually referred to this a few weeks ago. That's why I giggle. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, he's, I feel pretty bad for him. He's, right. um, you know, but uh, the situation itself, and I, I, I've tried not to um, take the mickey out of him 
too badly, mm-hmm. um, but more the reaction to 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 what's happened. That that's often where I find the humour is isn't on in sort of piling on one individual who's who's made a mistake. It's around the reaction to to that incident. So so say um, yeah with with the process that's so I have on a Monday I sit down and hopefully I've got a uh, a list of of stories from the previous week and by that point I'd have decided on one particular theme that's if it's a good week and there's one big story then that's perfect for me and I can really focus and drill down on that um and if if not then it's a matter of sort of combining all those little elements to to make uh, a neat story I guess mm-hmm. I have like eight panels to fill. So I always think, okay, at the bare minimum, you've got to write eight good jokes. Um, and, you know, on a, when you sit down on a Monday morning, that's not always the time when you're in your prime comedy mode, you know, <laughs> sort of eight o'clock on a Monday. So gets a few coffees to get the motor going. Uh, and then, yeah, a lot of the little details that I put in are often – a weird form of procrastination where I just think, okay, there's this space here in the background. Uh, I need to think about the next joke. So while I am, I can, you know, decide what goes on the poster behind this guy's head or, you know, if there's a logo on a coffee cup and, and that sort of thing. But those are often the, uh, the elements that the people respond to the most, um, the most kindly, you know, I think people like spotting these, these little things that I put in and, and I enjoy putting them in as well. Okay. And in the process, you've obviously got the ideas, you've got the writing, you've got the drawing. Like in, in what order do those come in? Uh, that's a good question. It's pretty, it's often the writing comes first. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, I mean, it, it each panel is is different. Sometimes I'll have a, a real image in mind, and I'll try to um, crowbar the the writing around that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a a couple of images in in mind for the cartoon that I've just done. Uh, one was uh, of Jurgen Klopp wearing an offensive T-shirt, which I don't know if you saw last week. Morrissey wore a T-shirt. <laughs> which um, said basically F the Guardian. Yeah. And I wanted to have um, Klopp wearing a T-shirt saying F the Guardiola. And I couldn't <laughs> couldn't work out how I could crowbar this in. So that, took, that was very much image-driven and then me trying to work out how to set it up in the, um, in the text. But, um, yeah, look, it's – a lot of it is just organic and uh, without – I mean – you know, without wanting to use that sort of Eddie Howe middle management phraseology that <laughs> that I was talking about a minute ago. Um, so, yeah, it, it, the, the best cartoons happen when you just get into, for me, when I get into almost like a, a trance-like zone and not overthinking it, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's when the interesting things happen. In, do you have I, – I have an editor when I write a story – um, mm. do you have someone like that who, who you work with, who can, who will say to you, I think you've really got something here or that's offensive or, that's, <laughs> yeah. or that's something that's just too obscure. Sure. There's, um, so I work with James Dart 
at the at the Guardian in the UK, mm-hmm. and um, he pretty much lets me do what I want. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's amazing. None of my other clients are like that. Um, and if I'm not sure about something, I know that I can message him uh, and say, "Hello, I've got this idea. I'm not sure about it. What do you think?" Um, and he will often provide that um, editorial guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, say I did one a couple of weeks ago where I'd come up with this idea of, uh, where's, uh, I think you call it where's Waldo in, in, yeah. in the States, right? So, um, I had a, an idea for a where's Waldo, uh, cartoon of where's Mesut Ozil. So, cause he hadn't been seen at Arsenal for weeks. And I said, look, what do you think about this? Um, it's slightly different because there won't be, there'll be hardly any text. And he said, yeah, sure, go for it. And then once I was halfway through, I immediately regretted starting it because <laughs> it was such a pain. And I realized why that guy only puts out like one book every like 20 years, whatever it is. So, um, so yeah, James will often um, give me guidance. But for the most part, I'm, I'm left to, to just get on with it. And then he, once I submit the cartoon, he then tells me, all the words that I've misspelled, all the names that I've got wrong, <laughs> so many. Um, and if there's any jokes that are too near the knuckle, then he will will often talk about that. And um, uh, but yeah, generally I'm allowed to. I've given a pretty free reign. I'm very lucky. <laughs> I mean, it is true that the Guardian is a place that runs the F word and any other word. It seems mm-hmm. like for writers, so I, I would guess that um, you have a pretty wide berth in that. Sense. Yeah, I, sometimes they let me get away with things. Others, I have to like put an asterisk in a, a a crucial vowel, but it still makes it obvious what the word is. But um, yeah, I, I try not to include too many swear words in there but you know sometimes i'm english for god's sake <laughs> i'm I'm an anglo-australian so i mean we're, we're the kings of swearing so it's pretty hard to rein it in sometimes I, I must say you were able to include uh pippo and zaggy at a sperm bank uh earlier this summer during i think it was the women's I was. World cup, so. it was during the women's world cup and you know what that was one of the jokes that i've had the most uh, sometimes so each cartoon goes for a read, like the lawyers have a read, mm. has a legal read, just to make sure I'm not, you know, defaming anyone. And that was one of the things that the <laughs> the lawyers were adamant that I take out. And I was like, often I um, I bend to 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 their view because I think like these guys know what they're doing. I don't want to get sued by Sam Allardyce or whatever. It'd be humiliating. Um, but that joke I thought was really good. So that was one where it I was. stuck to my guns and uh, thankfully it got in. Um, I should Maybe I should explain that joke. I don't know. I've tried. There yeah. was a, <laughs> it was during Women's <laughs> World Cup. So yeah, you probably should. There was, uh, I can't remember her name. There was an Italian player in a game against when they played Australia. Bonanza. Ca- she got caught offside, I think maybe 60 times. <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. And so I suggested that she was a result of uh, an Italian fertility clinic um, in I can't in Milan in the in the eighties, and you know Pippo Inzaghi famously always offside had been 
I suggested the sole donator of sperm to this fertility clinic. And that's why anyone born of that seed is predestined to spend their entire life offside. It was funnier the way that I drew it in the mm. cartoon than I've just explained it. But um, yeah, it's uh, and there was one actually quite graphic image <laughs> within that um, within that cartoon um, that I think probably now I look back like six months later, I can see actually why the lawyers would have had a problem <laughs> with it. But I thought it was brilliant at the time. And I never think these things are, are great. Often when I draw them, I send them off and I'm almost wincing like, oh, God, you spent so long working on them. You convince yourself that they're terrible. And then it's quite a relief when when you don't get fired. How, how long does it take for you to do one of these? Is it variable? Uh, the Guardian cartoons usually take me two days. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to to get it down to one day, but um, yeah, the Guardian cartoons spend I take a couple of days working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do another one for Guardian Australia about the the A League here that takes me a day, mm-hmm. uh, and then I also work for uh, Le Keep in France and mm-hmm. uh, Alpha Freunder in Germany, and those generally take about a day and a half. Okay, interesting. I was gonna say we should get we should get you to do stuff for Sports Illustrated uh, on uh, MLS and NWSL. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's talk about uh, my commission, man. <laughs> <laughs> if you could invent another day in the week as well, that would be. Yeah, exactly. Just because for you to keep yeah. up with all the uh, what's happening in the various soccer yeah, worlds that yeah. you're connected to That's must right. take a while. Um, I, I'm curious to know what who has influenced your work, and I'm wondering. Are they other cartoonists? Are they other types of people who do different types of things? Sure. I, I mean, like like anyone, I suppose, is a combination of, of, of many, many different people and influences. I think in a, on the cartoon front, there was, um, I suppose I came to it via the football fanzine scene in, in England in the, uh, in the late 80s and early 90s. He's... Mm-hmm these uh, homemade um, magazines that often would have have a cartoon in. And that's actually where I, I, I got sort of my first cartoons published when I was a young guy um, back in the day. And then there were, there's a British, British um, car, um, adult comic book called Viz, which, hmm. um, which I discovered when I was about 16. When I say adult, I don't mean adult, like... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I just mean it's for grown-ups, right? <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, it's hilarious. It's uh, satirical. It's profane. It's uh, some of it is deeply offensive. And um, yeah, I, I mean, when I discovered it when I was sixteen, I thought this is just amazing, mind-blowing stuff. I, um, so there's that. Anyone who um, who has read my work for a long time will know that TV shows like The Simpsons and The Office and mm-hmm. That kind of comedy writing, that timeless comedy writing, is um, has had a, a a big impact as well. Cartoonists probably um, a way like as we were saying earlier, there aren't really that many football cartoonists, but say like someone like Joe Sacco, uh, who's a great political cartoonist, mm-hmm. um, he had a a big influence on on I guess my style of drawing. Okay. Uh, maybe not so much a style of writing and then there, there are football writers as well people um i've got a friend 
called David Stubbs, who's written, um, he used to write these amazing um, match reports on England Mm. uh, games from the perspective of this sort of retired wing commander (laughs) character. Like, um, I think it was just uh, a way that David could get away with uh, channeling his most (laughs) offensive thoughts through the, (laughs) like, through the... um, cipher of uh of this character but um yeah so it's so many you know so many nice um as i mentioned i did love your cartoons especially during the the women's world cup and you got into the american team and you know and megan rapino and donald trump and, and a bunch of other topics yeah. and there was one frame after the final against the dutch when uh your narrator said i'm going to quote here like everyone else, the Netherlands didn't quite have enough to stop the USA, but Serena Wiegmann's team put up a solid first-half resistance. Wiegmann's facial expressions were also a highlight of the World Cup. When unhappy with her team, she couldn't have looked more disgruntled if she was listening to your uncle mansplain soccernomics, end quote. And then you have this uncle-type figure saying, yes, the U.S. women's team generates more income than the men's team, but do they have anyone of the star quality of Josie Altador? Your social justice wow. warriors can't answer that one, end quote, which is pretty funny. Thanks. Uh, nice. Even though we, we do love Josie here, but uh, it, it showed a deep perception of a lot of things, um, including um, this fight for equal pay that the U.S. women's team has had and, and which has gone global to an extent. Um, yeah. you know, was there something about this Women's World Cup and the U.S. women's team and the issues surrounding everything that you enjoyed having as part of your work? i got to be honest, before the, the World Cup started, I uh, was a little bit anxious about it because I had only watched the occasional uh, women's game. The, um, so the Australian women's team are very popular here. Mm-hmm. And I watch most of their games, but I knew very little about women's football outside of Australia. So I was a little bit anxious going into the tournament that my ignorance would be exposed. I tried to research as much as I could going in. And um, and once it started, I, I was I just was gripped almost instantly. It was such a great tournament. Hmm. And I mean, you mentioned the the story with uh, uh, Megan Rapinoe and and Trump, that added a, another dimension mm-hmm. as well. Um, and I, yeah, and you're absolutely right that the issue about equal pay is something that um, has been discussed here in Australia as well. And just last night, uh, we had the news that it seems like a deal has been brokered where the, uh, the, players in the women's team will get equal pay to, to the men, which is an amazing thing for for them and an amazing breakthrough. And I'm sure it's partly, um, as well as the, the advocacy work that the people in the women's game have done here, I'm sure it's a result as well of the, the higher profile that, that the women's team in the US has, has given that, that argument. So yeah, hopefully they're successful as well and, and, um, and that they get um, they get what they deserve to. You know, there's also some some subtle things in, in your writing that 
can come off as these little daggers. And I, I wanted to give one example from last month. Uh, you had a uh, one with uh, Mauricio Pochettino, the, the Spurs manager, where you wrote, uh, quote, Aaron Conley, a terrifying bearded child man who will haunt Mauricio Pochettino's dreams. An odd sensation for a man who usually sleeps as soundly as anyone who speaks in support of Qatar, end quote. Yeah. And, and that's a reference to Pochettino getting paid recently to speak at a conference in Qatar. Um, yeah. Like how were you looking for some way and some place to get that line in on Poach and Qatar, or how did that? What was the genesis of that? Do you know that one? It's funny you picked that one because that was a like last minute edition. So oh. I had finished that cartoon and then I sent it off, and my editor had seen it, and um, he said, "Look, I don't know if you've you've seen this, but Pochettino has done this thing in Qatar." Where he's, you know, spoken favorably about about the the government, and he said, I don't know if there's any way that you can, you know, get the reference into that, which is unusual. Often he he doesn't ever ever say that, and I thought, yeah, okay. I mean, um, I like to give a sort of rounded view of of the people that that I'm writing about. Um, so yeah, often I, I like Pochettino. I think he's a good guy, but, um, for me, that's a, a questionable thing to do. Right. So I had another look at that whole sentence and thought, okay, how can I, how can I change this without having to change the whole, like the whole cartoon and yeah. So just that I managed to, again, like with the, the clop thing we were talking about earlier, I was able to jumble things around and, and add a, a late edit there. But uh, yeah, it's funny you should pick that one out. I think I was in a pretty bad mood that day. So often there are more daggers than <laughs> other weeks. But uh, yeah, I think I, I had the, the knife sharpener out for that one, yeah. Oh, shoot. Um, so we've, we've gotten into how you got into cartooning. We've gotten into how you got connected to The Guardian. What led to you moving to Australia? Oh, uh, yeah. So my partner's an Aussie. And oh. um, yeah, so we moved here uh, ten years ago, and yeah, that, that's how I ended up here. Yeah, um, so yeah, it's, it's nice here. Have you been? You should come. I know you've had your own experience with the Australian soccer community. But, I was just um... about to get into that, <laughs> um, which which turned into a, a total badge of honor and in, in me appearing in in one of your cartoons. But um, I actually have been there. I was there uh, for the two thousand Olympics which were wonderful. Wow. Um, and the good thing about Olympic soccer tournaments is they they have it in the host city, which was Sydney, but they also farm it out to other cities. So you do get to see more of the country. So I saw games yeah. in Canberra and Melbourne and Adelaide yeah. and um, just had a wonderful experience and then went back on oh, vacation right. uh, back in 07. So um, I'm expecting that Australia will get the 2023 Women's World Cup. Um I hope so. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, who else is is bidding for it though? I feel like um, it would just take a big bid from maybe China um, or you know one of the nations that have a bit more money to splash around than, than Australia. And um, maybe uh, yeah, I feel that it could be 
blowing out the water. So um, I think North, I think there's a joint bid from Korea, is there? There's or actually at least... a, quite a potential for uh, satire in the Women's World Cup bids for 2023 when you see well, the joint bid from North Korea and South Korea. And yeah. there, there's actually several other ones, which is actually a positive sign uh, for the Women's yeah. World Cup getting more popular. But like at one point, the bids include like Bolivia, which barely has like a functioning okay. women's soccer team <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. Um, That's interesting. But um, uh, yeah, I was gonna get to to my appearance. Um, you know, this was back in October of, of 2017, and I pretty idiotically tweeted that neither Australia nor Syria, which I was watching their game, would give the fifth place Concacaf team much trouble in the World Cup qualifying yeah. playoff. Uh, and then that night, the U.S. got eliminated from the World Cup. Yeah. And then my Twitter yeah. mentions got lit up, uh, deservedly, by uh, indignant uh, Australian soccer fans. And uh, yeah. I, I'm just curious, how did I get the honor of meriting mention in your cartoon that week? I think, um, firstly, I think what you tweet, think about all the things that have been tweeted and where <laughs> your sits on the on the sort of scale of offensiveness, it's pretty low down, I've got to say. <laughs> and uh, I think it was probably a reasonable shout. Like, Australia didn't have a good team going into that World Cup, and Syria, you know, that was a poor game. So, I mean, what you tweeted was, I think, fair enough. But the Australian f- uh, football community, I think there's a lot of... I suspect there's a lot of similarities between yep. Australian soccer and US soccer in terms of the the way that the fans are very protective of um, of their of their teams and their sport, and that often comes from a place of um, like soccer isn't the most popular sport in Australia, right? And the bigger sports often like beat down on it. And there's this perception that it's a game for foreigners. So mm-hmm. um, I think that, yeah, Australian soccer fans are really defensive. And if anyone is critical of them, then, yeah, they'll, they'll lash out. And unfortunately for you, <laughs> you, I think you tweeted this at a time where there was most sort of online activity. And in Oz, it must have been about this time, I guess, in the day. So... Mm-hmm. You know, most Aussies are on their way to work, whatever, looking through their phone, and they're like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Um, I know, everyone knows who you are, Grant. But um, well, they do now anyway. <laughs> um, there's, I mean, there's posters of you in every on every lamppost in uh, in Australia. Only if there were. Um, sorry. Uh, if they were, that would be wonderful. Uh, I took it <laughs> as just awesome that uh that you included me and i also pointed out i think uh two other friends of mine in the media here got a mention um john strong and Stu holden when they called ibrahimovic's first goal for the la galaxy Um, i had no i I knew Stuart holden from his time playing in in england but i had i know i had no idea who the who the commentators were on that goal so (laughs) I think the the two guys who I ended up drawing for that cartoon were just sort of generic commentator type people. So apologies if they they bear no resemblance whatsoever <laughs> to, to to those guys. Um, but yeah, again with uh, so with the cartoon I drew with you, if, if my memory serves me correctly, that um, again it was more about the reaction rather than, right. than you know the thing that you had tweeted, which I thought wasn't wasn't that 
like outlandish you know so um yeah you weren't coming after me it was just it, no. it was uh which is an interesting window sort of into how you approach dealing with players as you were saying earlier yeah yeah no i mean you are on my hit list i'll come <laughs> no no you're fine but um i think i had your phone setting on fire i think i had you yeah. tweeting something and then going away doing something and then looking back at your phone and it was ablaze so um yeah i think <laughs> there's a thing called uh, there's a hashtag for australian football called uh, soccer twitter uh, but soccer is spelled s o double k a h okay uh, um yeah i think you have legendary <laughs> status within there so uh yeah you're, you're an anti-hero but i think most reasonable people realize that yeah it was a, it was a fair call like australia didn't end up doing much in the world cup anyway they did what they always seem to do which is qualify relatively easily although this last time was a bit of a struggle and then go out in the first round without having really covered themselves in glory so um so yeah it was a fair call i do think that you're very much right on the similarities between australian soccer and american soccer and i've noticed Mm. this whenever i talk to somebody from australia um about it you know like i think Australia and MLS are like the only two leagues in the world that don't have promotion and relegation, or at least leagues of any yeah. size. Um, yeah. And and the insecurity among the fan bases, I think there's some similarities oh, yeah. there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that there's uh, a thriving women's game is cool. Um, and yep. Yeah, no, and it's not just stuff to make fun of. It's uh, There's some good things yeah, happening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um and I think is just the size of the countries as well. Like the yeah. the landmass makes it hard for to get from you know to go and watch a game on one side of the country to the other side, and that's probably why it's hard to get for for the game to maybe it's why it's hard. It, how can I put this for the game to become organised? I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a a factor like for national organizations and national movements to come together at least you know a hundred years ago whatever can you tell that this is all coming off the top of my head i haven't thought through this argument at <laughs> not all. to worry i need, need another coffee <laughs> i'm flagging <laughs> we're wrapping up here with david squires who has been uh wonderful to take this much time to come on the podcast by the way we had set bladder on the podcast earlier this year so oh, you have that in common wow me and Seth. Should have got us on together. Can we do that next time? But uh, I wanted to ask you, have you done any non-soccer work like political cartoons or anything else? Sure, I did. Um, so the when was the last UK general election would have been 2017, I think. They seem to come around every couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I did, uh, I did some stuff in the lead up to that. I did maybe a month, six weeks of, of cartoons about that. That was interesting. I think um, I I enjoyed it. And I'm not sure if I'd be in a, a rush to, to do it again mm-hmm. uh, because what I found was most, I think most people are happy with me doing jokes about their football team. Mm-hmm. But if I do jokes about the a certain political party um, or you know, certain MPs or, or their backgrounds. Uh, yeah, I, I I had a few experiences like you where my phone was ablaze. <laughs> um, 
So it was interesting. Whether I'd do it again, I don't know. Luckily, there's an election in England about every eight months. So, um, you know, I might be, if I ever want to dip my toe back in again, I'll be able to do so. And lastly, I just wanted to, to finish by asking you about your books. Um, you've had a few uh, here. Goalless Draws, Illuminating the Genius of Modern Football, and two volumes of The Illustrated History of Football. What's yep. in them? So the Goalless Draws is, uh, that was the most recent book, and that is a compilation of uh, the last five years of cartoons I've done for The Guardian. Um, and so if you're not familiar with my work and you want to sort of find out more, then, then that's probably the, the place to go. Uh, the Illustrated History of Football, there's two volumes of that, and that sounds pretty much fairly self-explanatory. The, uh, the first volume looks back throughout the whole history of football as told through a series of 100 cartoons. And then the second volume is about individual players and managers through history. So there's a cartoon about, you know, Perlo, um, you know, Gascoigne, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, so yeah, that's me. Um, uh, that, those three books, go out, buy them. I think I get a dollar from each one. So that it all goes to a good cause. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. He is David Squires. You can find his work in The Guardian. He is on Twitter at Squires underscore David, where you can usually find that week's cartoon. David, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank David Squires, as well as producer Harry Swartout, and everyone at Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Remember, if you like the podcast, it would really help us if you go to Apple Podcasts and provide a rating and a review, and we'd appreciate you recommending the podcast to someone you know. See you next time.